0: It's good to be up here again. A little sooner than I thought, but how many were here the last time I spoke? I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart <laughs> for not leaving the church. <laughs> so that's encouraging. I didn't really want to get fired, so uh, I, I appreciate you coming back. Uh, but it is an honor for me to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, pastor has, I mean, he's always believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself, and He has helped bear many burdens in my life. So the least I could do is bear a burden for him one Sunday so that he can feel better. But don't worry, he'll be back next week better than ever. So you only have to endure me for today. So with that being said, I'm going to open this up in a word of prayer and then we're just going to get right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, Lord, and that he was buried and three days later rose again. And Lord, that I believe that from my heart as a young man, and Lord, I know I'm going to be with you in heaven for all eternity. And Lord, that's not just my story, that's everyone's story who believes in you. And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would just speak through your word that I would not be a distraction, that all other distractions would be eliminated, and Lord, that it would bring about change in our lives, Lord, and it would encourage us to live out your will for our lives. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, this week was an interesting week. First of all, I didn't know... uh, This was going to be happening till yesterday, so I'm going to rob from the teens a little bit at the very beginning because this was something God put on my heart, and it just didn't leave. It's going to be way different after that. So if you teens start snapping or if you start acting like uh, you've already heard this, you're wrong, you haven't, you've only heard the beginning part. So with that being said, we were talking about Ezekiel 33 with the teens this morning, so I want to start there. In verse 3, it says... If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and he took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. So right here off the, Bat, we're seeing that there is a situation here where God is going to be talking to Eli or to Ezekiel. Sorry, Ezekiel, and he says, "You're a watchman." Now, the watchman has a job to do, but the hearers also have a job to do. And he says, "If people have been warned, but they don't pay attention to it, then their iniquity is on them." All right? But then he says this. He says, "If the watchman." See the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. So the last part of that was God saying, you're the watchman. You have to warn the people. If you don't do your job, then the people are vulnerable. Now, we see in this context, there's even him saying, I will require blood at your hand, Ezekiel, if you do not warn the people, if you don't do the job of the watchman. Now, a couple of things. First of all, this clearly, even from that last verse that we looked at, is dealing with a prophet to Israel under the law. So for us today, we're not, God's not calling us to be a watchman per se, right? That was specifically what he was talking to Ezekiel about. It was mentioned in other places in the Old Testament, Habakkuk and a couple other places. But secondly, there's also not this pressure on us that if we fail to tell someone that there's gonna be great judgment that comes upon us. However, that being said, there are some things we can pull from this. And that is having a desire to want everybody to be warned. We can pull that from there. You love people enough that you'll tell them the truth. We can certainly pull that through there. To not want to see anybody suffer and go to a real place called hell. Yeah, we can pull that from those verses there. You see, the thing that should be keeping us up at night is the fact that every minute on this earth, people are dying and going to hell. This may not be about a land in captivity, about the Babylonians coming, right, or about the Assyrians coming, but it is a war, a spiritual war, over the soul of every human being. That's what we're thrust into. And the crazy thing about that is the Bible says quite a bit about our role in this spiritual warfare. And that's what's on my heart today, and that's what I would like to share for the few minutes that we have together. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, it says this. It says, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second before we read the next verse. Because it's important that we identify what this gospel is. This is the second letter that Paul has written to the Corinthians. The first letter in chapter 15, he tells them what this gospel of grace is for today. And this is so important because he says, this gospel, our gospel, other places he says, my gospel, this gospel, the only gospel that is able to save souls today, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, plus nothing, that gospel, if it be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. It's not the gospel of the kingdom, right? It's not a gospel to the circumcision. It is the gospel of the grace of God. He says, if that gospel has been hid... It's hid to them which are lost. But then he says this. This is how it's hid. This is our warfare today. He says, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, this spiritual war that we're in today, it's not, it's not the fact that we have to be a watchman sitting on the wall or in a guard tower and we are looking and we are saying, oh, wow, the, it's, trouble's coming. We already know trouble's here. It's not an invasion coming sometime down the road. It's here now. It's a spiritual warfare over every soul. But much like the watchman, we can't be distracted. We have to do our job. We have to be vigilant. Can you imagine if the watchman fell asleep? <laughs> or if he was scrolling? <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed, <laughs> I missed the invading army because did you see that TikTok dance? I mean, could you imagine if that's what the watchman was doing? Or if he was counting the stars. It's a pretty night in Israel. And here come the, here come the troops coming, right? And everybody is in danger because the watchman didn't do his job. In the same way, we have to be vigilant. We cannot be asleep at the wheel. We have to understand that there is a battle over every soul. And sometimes I think we are busy. We're too busy. We fall asleep at the wheel. We get so busy chasing everything else in this world that people literally... Are dying suddenly sorry not trying to prop up the documentary but people are dying all around us and the reality is people are going to hell but we watched that game last night and it was a great comeback <laughs> right? we watched the Hoosiers earlier in the day thank God they finally won all right? we we are so busy doing these other things but I made a lot of money none of that's gonna matter when you stand before Jesus one day he's not gonna say great house that was awesome Good job. You had a lot of bedrooms. The landscaping really added to the value of the house. Good job. Yeah. No, he's not going to say that. He's going to say, I left you in the middle of a spiritual battle, and you did nothing. You had a job to do, and you didn't do it. So what is this job? So how do we participate in this battle, the spiritual battle that's going on? 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave that to us. He didn't say, Jesus, a few thousand years down the road, I'm going to need you to go back down and do miracles over a three-year period of time and get the people to believe. No, he's given that ministry to us. But what are we doing with it? How about this? In 2 Corinthians 5.20, he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So we aren't watchmen, (laughs) but we are ambassadors given the ministry of reconciliation, the light of the gospel, to see all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what you are. That's what I am. That's our job. That is what today's watchman looks like. It's interesting that he says the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. If you've done a study about light throughout the Bible, it is really a fascinating subject because right off the bat, the first thing God makes, light. And he says it is good. And then he says this critical point in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 1, he says God divided the light from the darkness. Satan trying to keep people in darkness, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Light divides darkness. But if we aren't light, then everyone's in darkness. Light was intended to divide the darkness. This is so important for us to grasp. Jesus would later say in the gospels, I am the light of the world. Understood that. He would tell, he would tell the Jews that, Let your light so shine before men in Matthew 5.16 that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But it didn't just stop with Israel because here comes Paul and this dispensation of grace to us, the body of Christ. And in Philippians 2.15, he says that ye may be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights. Are you? Am I? We've been given this light, we've been given this purpose, but I feel like more often than not we are a distraction to the truth. We are distracted and we are a distraction to the truth of the gospel of Christ. And my question for myself and everyone here today is, where is our sense of urgency? The watchmen had to have a sense of urgency. We have to have a sense of urgency. And the amount of time we will spend together today, there will be multitudes of people who die and go straight to hell, just in the time we spend together today. Where is our sense of urgency? You know, if you ever find yourself in Moscow, you will see a tremendous sense of urgency in all their streets. It's because they're Russian. Hey, all right, dad joke. Okay, so that's just to make sure I didn't put everybody to sleep there. Some of you will thank me for that later. Some of you are thinking that went way over my head. Some people with the last name Boyer are embarrassed profusely, so that's great. (laughs) One thing, though, I have witnessed when when dealing with the sense of urgency is that there's something about a new believer and having this sense of urgency of wanting to see everybody saved around them. And sometimes if we're not careful, we established believers who know all the Bible, who have read through it over and over again, sometimes we are like this big bucket of water and we just throw it on these new believers. Hey, you're not ready yet, oh, slow down. No, don't slow down. If it's in your heart to tell everybody you know about Jesus, then tell everybody you know about Jesus. And I'm gonna go along with you to answer the questions you can't answer. It's infectious when you're around somebody who has just got saved. In fact, sometimes it's exhausting. You can't keep up. If they truly got saved and they're asking these questions and they want to just go do it. They're like, I believed, I'm not going to hell anymore and I don't want anyone else to experience that. Well, this kind of brought back to memory, by the first time I can really, really remember sharing the gospel. And this is going, you're probably going to say today, how in the world are you a pastor? Because it was bad. But I'm going to bring you into my life and my story because I think this is so important for today. So when I was still a baby Christian, I'm talking probably only a couple years into this journey, I was finally getting comfortable with sharing my faith. I'd listened to pastor enough. I knew some verses, and so I was like, "All right, I'm just kind of on the prowl. I'm looking for victims. (laughs) I'm looking for the low-hanging fruit. Uh, This person will probably listen to me. This person over here is going to make fun of me, but." uh, I, just, I remember I was starting to be conscious of wanting to share this message with other people. And I had a friend of mine, and the Holy Spirit would not leave me alone. I was on a phone conversation with a friend named Erica, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But here, just to make sure that we all are on the same page. Let's go back in time a little bit. I'm going to show you a picture of myself from 1996, because you guys need to know I didn't always look this good. Uh, but anyway... So I think I should have given them a picture of myself up there. Yeah, this guy. So this was the guy that was on the phone. Rachel was like, I never would have married that guy. But anyway, there was hair, and then later it would migrate south for the winter and never come back. But anyway, at one point in time, I had some hair. I was, uh, this was 96, and I know that because this picture also had A.J. Zapp in there, who was drafted by the Atlanta Braves in 1996, because I was trying to find something that was from 96. So here's my friend Erica. This was one of her school pictures back then. She would kill me. She would absolutely murder me that I just showed this. Um, But, you know, I was trying to, I wanted this to be authentic. Here's another picture of her. This is how I remember her more often than not. uh, Constantly had a soda in her hand. So anyway, now we can kind of put some names and faces together. So we're talking on the phone, and I'm, I'm waiting for the right moment. You know, I mean, it's kind of awkward sometimes. It's like, when do I pull out the big guns? I mean, you're hoping something segues into it. You know, somebody's like, I had this beautiful rose and it died. Let's talk about death. Do you know where you're going to go when you die? I mean, it was like you're, you're trying your best to say, Holy Spirit, give me the right words to say. How do I do this? Well, finally, I just jump in. And I'm like, all right, this is, this is going to work or there's going to be a dial tone. We're going we're gonna to do this. And so I was like, Eric, have you really ever thought about what happens when we die? Do you know where you're going to go? And then real quick, I'm like... I mean, my, my hands were so sweaty at that point, they normally always are, but they were really bad at this point in time. I don't know what's going to happen on the other end of this conversation. The two seconds of silence felt like 10 minutes. I didn't know if she was still there or not. And she says, yeah, I've thought about it. I was like, okay. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm, I'm trying to get out of the conversation and say, well, at least I started it. But then she says, and I don't know where I'd go. At that point, I'm like, feverishly thinking, okay, what would pastor do? What would pastor do? I don't even know if I have that bracelet, what would pastor Jim do? But anyway, I'm thinking to myself, what do I do now? Because I've got a live one on the hook. She says she doesn't know. And I was like, well, would you like to know? I'm, so, I'm still kind of scared because I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping she says no. And I thought, okay, okay I'm off the hook. And she goes, yes. And I'm like, oh, oh, what, what do I do now? She doesn't know where she's going to go when she dies, and she wants to know, and I know, and I'm supposed to tell her right now. But I don't really know how to say it. And so I've probably embellished the truth a little bit, but it went a little something like this. I started down Romans Road. That's all I knew. It's what I remember kind of getting saved off of. And so I said, well, do you have a Bible? Let's turn, let me read some scriptures to you. And she goes, sure, and she's, we're going through it. And I said, well, Romans 3.23, says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I was like, do you know what that means? And she goes, well, well kind of. And I was like, well, well, do you agree that you're a sinner? And she goes, well, yeah. And I was like, well, so am I. <laughs> Congratulations, we're both sinners. But anyway, I said, what, that's, what this really means is that we've come short of the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is perfection. We're sinners. We're, so we're short of this glory. So what does that mean? And i was like let me turn to another verse and i said how about romans six twenty three? because we're sinners right for the wages of sin is death or the payment of this sin is death so we are sinners our sin is separated from god and as a result of our sin we are going to be separated from god for all eternity there is payment it's physical death it's why we all die today That's because of sin, but also it's a spiritual death that disconnects us from God for all eternity. And she's like, I feel lost. I feel disconnected. This makes sense. And I said, but our great God didn't leave us in that state. Now, the reason we're in this state is because Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And so the reason you and I, Erica, are sinners is because of Adam in the garden, and that has been passed down to mankind. Nobody's exempt from it. Everyone, when they're born, is born into this sin. And as a result, everyone will be separated from God for all eternity. And she believed all that, and she was like, yes, I believe that. She wanted more. And I'm like, I don't know how much more I've got, but, but I'm going to give you what I got, right? Right? And I said, but the best part is in Romans five eight, God demonstrated; He showed His love toward us, and that why we we're, were these dirty, rotten sinners that were separated from God, Christ died for us. See, Erica, here's the thing: we couldn't do it on our own. We were separated from God, and God looked down. And he goes, "I love mankind, and I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way that they can be with Me in heaven for all eternity. I'm going to come down there myself." in the form of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, commit no sins, and then on three days, he's going to die on the cross, and three days later, he's going to rise again. But when he died on the cross, he took the weight of all those sin, because sin has wages. There's no such thing as a free sin. Jesus took all the payment, all the penalty of that sin, and he bore it on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to pay that price. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And if we believe that, we will have eternal life, and she's like, "I want that," and I was like, "Okay, this is the hard part because I'm a Baptist. We've got to do this sinner's prayer, and we've got to do it right. You're truly going to be saved. You've got to follow my instructions, every word, right?" And so, I'd led her in the sinner's prayer, my version, very Baptist of me, and she got saved, and I was like, "Oh my gosh." God, how could you use somebody like me? But I still wasn't convinced. I said, okay, we're going to church this Sunday, and I brought her to church, and I found the youth pastor at Emmanuel, and I was like, talk to her. <laughs> Make sure I did it right. <laughs> Make sure I didn't miss anything. I was so nervous, right? And then I remember him coming back to me and a big smile, and he goes, He goes, Dad, you did good. She's saved. And I was like, God, you can use somebody like me. It was so humbling. First time I personally led anyone to the Lord. And don't get me wrong, I've been to funerals of overdoses of people I never told, and I bore that shame. I've had people who have told me, no, not every story has a bow like that on there. But this one did. And I needed that in my faith. So, I mean, a lot's changed in 27 years. Now here I am standing up and doing this, I was trying to get her to come here today. I thought that would have been awesome to have her here, but you get to see what I look like now. And so um, I was like, at least I'll send a picture. So here's Erica's picture today. It's still hard for me to look at that. Three years after that conversation, we had kind of lost touch. I had met Rachel, I got married, and uh, I will never forget the phone call I got from her sister. And she said, Erica's passed away. I mean, she's so young. I was like, this isn't real. She said, I want you to come to the visitation. And I didn't want to, because I was ashamed that I had basically vanished in her life. It was a hard drive, and and it's one of those things that as I got out of the car, and I don't even think Rachel was with me then. I think she had something else going on. I think it was just me, and so I've only been married like three months at this time. and It's like every step into that funeral home was like lead. Because in my mind, I'm thinking the family's going to be disappointed that I just vanished. I played a role in their life, but now I've been gone. And as I see her sister from a distance, and we're trying to walk towards each other, I'm not sure really what's going on. And and she smiles, and there's tears come down her face, and she just wraps her arms around me, and she says, "She's in heaven because of you." And I was just stunned because there's so much humility that came because right there I'm like, it wasn't because of me. I was just a vessel. You know, we can plant or we can water, but it's God who gave the increase. And in that moment, for whatever reason, God gave the increase. I was obedient, and it was probably rough. It was at a stage in my life where it was pretty carnal at times. It was up and down. I was trying to figure this whole thing out. But I knew the Holy Spirit said, tell her. And in my weird sort of way, I told her. And God did something with it. I had no idea I'd be going to her funeral three years later, a life taken so short. I kept thinking to myself, what if I wouldn't have told her? That's where this passage about the watchman really kind of gets me. What if I wouldn't have told her? What would that experience have been three years later? I mean, maybe somebody else would have come. That'd be the hope, the prayer. The reality is this. I want to encourage each and every one of us in this room, starting with myself, that we need to be urgent with the gospel of grace message. Hebrews 9.27 is very clear. It says, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. The reality is you don't know when your last breath is and you don't know when someone else's is. But you've been given a job. You've been given a message. You've been trusted with this ministry of reconciliation. I love when Paul says this, and he's actually quoting the Old Testament. He says, in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Where is your urgency? Paul would even say this in 1 Corinthians 9, He says, to the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am all things to all men, that I might by all means save some Paul's heart was always on sharing that gospel of grace message the one true gospel for today that is able to save souls deliver them from death to life he even tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 to redeem the time for the days are evil and talks about how understanding what the will of the Lord is that's the will of the Lord just to have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth Are you urgent with that message? We are ambassadors given the ministry of reconciliation, the light of this glorious gospel to see all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's on you, that's on me. Where is the urgency? We cannot be a distracted watchman, we can't spend all of our time on our phones. We can't celebrate, I was telling the youth earlier today, we can't celebrate that our phone usage was down to 28 hours this week. And we didn't spend one second sharing the gospel with anyone. And it can get overwhelming. I mean, you walk out of here and you're like, okay, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know it's what God wants me to do, but how do I do it? When do I do it? And every, there's so many targets out here. Well, let me make it simple for you today. Each one of us start with one this week. That's doable. One target this week. One person that you're gonna pray for. Maybe it's one person you've already identified. It's a family member, it's a friend, it's your coworker. It's the guy that you play games with, that you throw discs with. It's the person you sing in a band with. It's somebody this week that you know needs to hear this message and you're going to tell them. One way or another, you're gonna tell them. You're going to pray. You're gonna pray like crazy that God would give you that opportunity. And then you're going to be ready to give them the truth in that moment. Whether that is a track, whether it's inviting them here, whether it's bringing somebody alongside them that can explain it better than you think you can, whatever it is, whether it's just you telling why you're different and your story, what a great place to start. But be urgent about one this week. Whether you're 10 years old in this place or 90, it makes no difference. There, there's no retirement. And there's no I'm not ready yet. It's everybody find your one this week because you don't know how many chances you're going to get. At least be the person that plants or waters. God will give the increase. But be obedient to sharing that message. But what if you're like my friend Erica? And today's the day that you want to know where you're going to spend eternity. Maybe you've sat through several of these messages, but for whatever reason, today your heart is pounding and the Holy Spirit's working on your heart, and, this, and, and the Holy Spirit's saying, this is you. This is your day. Today is your time for salvation. Maybe today is the day that you believe. It's the day that you humbly reach out by faith and say, God, I'm a sinner, and I know that my sin has separated me from you. And that I'm going to spend all eternity in hell. But I believe that you sent your son on a cross to die for my sins. And he was buried and rose again three days later. And he wasn't just anybody. He came to this earth born of a virgin, was perfect, didn't commit any sins. He was 100% man, but he was 100% God. And when he bled, it was sinless blood and it covered all my sins. And Lord, I know that that is sufficient to wash away all my sins. I believe I want this. I want to be saved. Maybe that's you today. There's no special prayer. It's just even right now, even while I said that, that's what you believe from your heart. I want to invite you to believe today. This isn't just for the people outside this building. It's for everyone in here today as well, or watching, or if this gets shared to you, please, I'm asking you, be able to answer that question where you're going to spend eternity. And if you can't, Let today be the day that you believe that wonderful gospel of grace message so that you can be in heaven with us for all eternity. I'm a big Lord of the Rings nerd. Shouldn't be that hard to figure out. There's a quote that Gandalf gives Frodo at one point, uh, I think in the first film. And the end of the quote says, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And that is so true. You will decide how much urgency you have and what you're going to do with your time this week. Whether this was just another Sunday morning or whether it was a valuable investment to somebody's eternity. You'll decide that. I can't do it for you. The staff can't do it for you. You'll decide that. It is my heart that you redeem that time this week. You find your one and start there. Be willing to give this purpose that you have, this ministry of reconciliation to someone else. You are an ambassador. Give them the light of the glorious gospel with the hopes of seeing them saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Those marching orders are very clear. Be, I guess, concerned to warn the people around you that hell is real. You have the message. You can give them the warning that they need and share the beautiful gospel with them. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.